After falling out of time with Click, Jack and Josh pop on some headphones and jump on a scooter to... Rain over me? This is a very special Truly Happily Madison. It's, it's good to be back, but it's very serious to be back this week. <laughs> it's very serious. Yeah. Oh, hi. Um, oh, uh. It's me, it's me, your ever-loving host, Jack Gregson. And and who who's this but my co-ever-loving host, Josh Pappenheim. Co-loving. Co- the co-loving. big Who fan, never take my headphones off. Very Just... serious, Josh. Very serious. Yeah, sorry. I listened to it to grieve. Or to, to live, one of them. Mm. Mm. Come on, come on, keep it together, keep it together. This is an important it episode. Really is. There's nothing more important. This is like the episode of Boy Meets World where Sean starts drinking alcohol and Corey has to deal with it. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of Boy Meets World in lockdown. Oh right, I see. It's okay. all on Disney Plus. <laughs> but you know what? It's not just that. It's not just Jack and Josh tacking, chatting <sighs> serious this week. No, we got a guest. Guest, all the way from I'm not sure where she is. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie Campion, thank Hello. you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, it's it's fantastic. Um, I'm so happy someone chose to come on and talk about this film. Well, what a film it was. Well, we'll get to it. <laughs> we'll get to it. Maddie, give us a, give us a little bit of background about yourself. Tell us. Tell us who you are and and how you got here. Uh, well, I am a stand-up comedian, writer and performer, or at least I was before uh, coronavirus. Mm. Uh, what is my, like, that is a, a very ex- existential question right now. What am I? Who am <laughs> I? Um, right, I just mooch around the world now. I just, like... But looks like there's a vaccine, so fingers crossed within the next couple of months, I'll be back doing stand-up again. Uh, in the interim, I have been recording my own podcast, uh, a Jacqueline Wilson fan club podcast, uh, and I've also started designing some bags. So that is what my life is, Jack. That's not what you asked. <sighs> that wasn't the, the question that you asked, but it's the answer <laughs> I gave. I loved it. I loved it. I love the answer. It's a great, strong answer. I should say, like, so in the differences between me and Maddie, of which there are many, um, when Maddie says that she was a stand-up comedian before the... Um, before the pandemic happened, and I say it, I only performed twice. Maddie actually had a real song. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you describe yourself as a stand-up comedian, um, Jack? Uh, let's not. I mean, check, you are. let's not look into what my uh, <laughs> online dating profile used to say. <laughs> um, okay. But uh, Tinder bio for the job you want, not ugh, the job you ugh, have. Ugh, can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> I've got to be honest though, if anyone's on a dating app and they see someone that's profile says stand-up comedian, they should just swipe that profile as far away from their phone as they possibly can. <laughs> it's a red flag. I say that as a stand-up. 
You say that to a man who had a picture of him doing stand-up and who matched with someone who does stand-up. Oh, well, that's <laughs> so, sweet. So it works sometimes, maybe. We'll see. It probably doesn't. Well, that's... Oh, Don't say that. It works. <laughs> Shut up. What the fuck? I suppose two broken this... people can make a, a funny jigsaw. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, Josh. I was stealing your sort of self... Uh, deprecation this. Yeah. No, that's my brand. Your, everyone's, your... everyone's too low. Like, like, come on, guys. We've got to get hey, the energy hey, out. Sometimes, gotta... sometimes, you know, like uh, a funny comedian changes up their style and decides to go serious and decides to, you know, make a 9-11 movie. I feel um, like you're trying to make some sort of uh, point with that, some sort of metaphor, but I can't... <laughs> Well, the reason I do that, Josh, is because each week your hosts, Jack Gregson and Josh Pappenheim, discuss the entire filmography of Happy Madison Productions from 1999 to current day. And we've come across something that technically isn't a Happy Madison production. Well, I I, I want to talk about this. It is a Happy Madison, but they've given it a really, really heavy spin by calling it Madison 23. Madison 23. Madison 23. It's the serious arm of Happy Madison. Only two films were released under Madison 23. I was going to say, has it been used at any other point? The only What's other the film other film? Is funny people. I was going to guess Jesus. funny people. I was like, what one could... It's got to be funny people. Oh, wow. Which I've seen funny people so many times, and I do not remember Madison 23 being at the beginning of it. It would have been pretty bad to have Adam Sandler's dead dad come out in front of a 9-11 film and go, terrific. I, don't, I literally was wait. I, could, I was like, I can't wait to see how they spin this. This sort of weird, like, what, what are they going to open it with? <laughs> I, I do you know what? I think it would have been. I think it would have been better if they had just done it as Happy Madison. Yeah. 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 Just one respect. Yeah. Just have some, some joy in this film. Yeah. Yes, I, I, have we even said that we're talking about Rain Over Me this week? Only in the intro. Only in the intro. We're talking about intro. Rain Over Me. Spelled R-E-I-G-N. And not spelled like the song which is featured in the film, which is Rain, Rain Over, over me. me. Oh yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I guess that would have been hard to read it on a poster. Was... It was originally titled that on the script, but uh, the, the, the studio were like, nah, can't call a film Rain Owa Me. Also, I worked at HMV and that, and when I was a kid, and you, when people said, have you got this on DVD? And having to search Rain Owa Me, like, it would have just been such a mind, like, Chinese, like, an apostrophe, like, we'd never have found yeah. it. So they, they dodged a bullet. I'm very curious how many people would come into HMV and be like, <laughs> do you guys have a copy of Rain Over Me? Do you know what? I remember it. I was there when it was sold. And I remember it being, it was one of the ones that was three, frequently just three pounds. And mm. we had stacks of, we just had stacks of this film. Um, and it sold really well. I remember it being when, when I worked at Blockbuster. And uh, I remember it not renting at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they, if they charged three pounds for it, it would have flown out. I think yeah. they, well, they probably charge three pounds for its rental. Yeah. <laughs> Different crowds. Different Blockbuster crowds. and HMV. Yeah. RIP. Both of them. Sad. But HMV is still going. <laughs> Technically. Is it? We have a friend of the podcast who works for HMV. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm a big supporter of HMV. <laughs> I'm a big supporter of HMV, but I, uh, I do, I am pragmatic about the influence of. No, I get it. I get Pirates it. have taken down that. Pirates and 
the pirates, the pirates of the Amazon. Yeah. Oh, that's what the next Pirates of the Caribbean should be called. <laughs> Don't forget the streaming services that are great. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, that is a very good point. I've completely forgot how much Netflix I watch then. <laughs> Not that Rain Over Me can be found on any free streaming service. No. no. I had to pay real fucking money for this. I had to. Um... More than the DVD. Yeah, well, that's why I Did went you? out and purchased the DVD. Oh, God oh, damn How much did you pay for it? I paid £3.49 oh, it's, to rent it. It was two forty nine on Google Play. What? Uh... The DVD was £2.60. Gee, all right, fine. I fucked this. And it came with an extended jam session with Adam Sarner and Don Cheadle on the special features. Don't oh, you feel fun. stupid? Yeah, I would like to see that. I, I do. <laughs> <sighs> Um, Josh, do you have an IMD, a well-written IMDb synopsis <laughs> for I have Rain a plot Over synopsis. Me? Fuck, it's long. That, that that's probably going to take you through the whole film. I want the their brief two lines. Shall I summarize it? Shall Please I? do. Okay, so Charlie was a former roommate of Alan. And they've lost touch five years ago. Charlie lost his family in a plane crash. Or most specifically, well, they refer to it as a plane crash. That's not me being trying to be like soft handed with it. The like, first time they mention it is 9 11, then throughout the rest of the film, they just describe it as a plane crash. Yeah. And he bumps into Charlie. Charlie's a bit weird, um, doesn't remember him, even though they used to live together. Uh, and as it as the film goes over throughout, Ad, 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 Alan, I want to call him Alan, that's the wrong person. Alan Johnson. Alan, Alan Johnson pulls Charlie at, and like. Puts him towards some mental health um, treatment. He's uh, at one point Charlie's like, "I'm going to kill myself." Then he's like, "Oh, I'm, I'm going to actually explain what has happened." And they're about to get him sectioned, and then they're like, "Actually, no, you can go, mate." <laughs> <laughs> that is That's it. basically it. Yeah, that's a very good synopsis. Yeah. Did you write yeah. this movie? <laughs> what can I say? I, <laughs> I watched it. <laughs> it's it's written up here it. in my brain. I, I remember very little of it. And I watched it yesterday. I mean, uh, there's not there's not much plot, is there? Mm. I'd say there's almost too much plot, but nothing happens. <laughs> nothing happens nothing at all. Does happen. Do you want? Speaking of, do you want the plot keywords and the taglines? Because I find them interesting. I would love them. So the tagline is "Live every day like it's the best day of your life." Well, no one does that. No one does <laughs> no that. One in that, does film. that. No one's the message of this. No film, one is in it? that film. No one in that film is living it like it's the best day of their life. I think you could argue that, like, some people are, are living it like it's the like the only chance they'll get to to give someone a blowjob. Yeah. <laughs> live every day like it might be the last chance you have to give someone a blowjob i would argue but, that yeah. maybe saffron burrows is the closest to that um yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she's the only one who's sort of like like i'm gonna go into my yeah she's the one to <laughs> i'm gonna be the most forward person that has ever been written i'm gonna, she's I'm gonna be blowies absolutely... everywhere yeah um so what a quote so what's the uh oh the plot keywords yeah. Grief. Josh, Josh, you left off the, the other great tagline. Oh, I didn't know there was another one. Oh, let in the unexpected. Oh, I don't like that either. Uh, <laughs> is that is that what Charlie did when he lost his family? Um, <laughs> I feel like it's more a reference to, like, you didn't expect Adam Sandler to give a performance like this. No, but that's the thing, uh, right? Yeah, okay, uh, yeah. straight out the bat. 
This is not a film about Adam Sandler's character whatsoever. Top build. No. It's top build. I know it's top build. I know he's top build. But this whole film, and I'm just going to come out with my theory again straight away. Fuck it. No teasing here. This is, we've already had Fight Club. This is reverse Fight Club. Is this, is this Don, Don Cheadle's character is putting... Don Cheadle's character is, is Jack, again. And Adam Sandler is like a sad lad, <laughs> Tyler Durden. But doesn't the end of this movie sort of hints that... I feel like the end of the movie sort of hints that Adam Sandler doesn't exist. Yeah, I thought he didn't <laughs> exist the whole way through the film. The end of the movie where where Don Cheadle is, spoilers, handed Adam Sandler's scooter, and he's like, don't leave this around. And, and he's like, wait, no, take this out. Yeah, exactly. Like, I hadn't even considered that, because like, he doesn't interact with any of the other characters, really, does he? Well, I mean, no. there's that whole courtroom. Well, apart, from the, <laughs> apart from the courtroom and, and yeah, apart and the, the therapist when he meets the family <laughs> the and the therapist yeah. and all of these bits. Yeah. But the family and, he doesn't definitely. Yeah, he does interact with other people. Yeah, but I do wonder at the end if, like, if if maybe Charlie, is it Charlie? Yeah, uh, if yeah, maybe Charlie. Charlie has passed on, and uh, as has maybe Saffron Burrows. I don't know. It's really fucking weird. Both dead? Maybe because it doesn't seem like. The way like that place is packed up at the end, and they're like, "Oh, he didn't leave a forwarding address." And then it's like, "But Don Cheadle knows where he is." Yeah, he just moved two blocks down the I road. I feel like everyone is everyone just it serves to exist. No, it's, everyone exists to serve Charlie's character in this film, and he's not an interesting enough character. Everybody really wants to help him. Yeah. Do you think? I think everyone exists to serve. Alan Johnson, not from Peep Show, but from this, because <laughs> it's, it's not not um not Mike from Breaking Bad, is it Mike? Oh yeah, watched, not Mike. <laughs> I never watched. No, but I think he does. It's it's again a film about a man losing his grip on his like masculine individuality. We've got to save some of this for the actual film check because we've not even done the stats, Josh. Oh shit! Oh yeah, really? Fuck. We've not done oh, the stats. Well, maybe just edit this in post. Edit this in post. <laughs> but we can't. Oh no! It's, no, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's going to sound like we've got a lot to say. When I, I don't know if I do have a lot to say about this one. Um, well, all right. Let's do stats and then we'll get back into right. the, <laughs> back into the metaphors. So this film is directed by Mike Binder. Mm. Um, uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah. Everybody it also appears in the film as uh, what as Sugarman. Oh, that's who that was. I'm a big fan of the documentary series that Mike Binder has on the Comedy Store. Just that's all I'm going to say about Mike Binder. I didn't know he was involved. <laughs> oh yeah, he is. He directs it. Just a little history on Mike Binder. He directed the Damon Wayans comedy Blank Man. Oh yeah. But mostly does sort of um, sort of this level drama, like uh, but like films that I don't think people have actually seen, like The Upside of Anger. Don't know or, what that is. Or Black or White. Films, that like, films that have all been like three pounds on DVD and <laughs> he's, got, he's, he, he's he's cornered the market on that. But his, I think his uh, his documentary on the LA Comedy Store is incredible, and I do recommend it. I have heard it's good. I do want to watch it. It might have been I've heard it's good because I've seen you put up Instagram stories about it. I think a lot of people have been putting Instagram stories up or to talk about it. It's it's just very interesting. From I'm not sure what you'd get out of it if you didn't do stand up, but hmm. it's just interesting seeing a whole different scene. And also, yeah, 
it's just it's just very very interesting he seems to have like an interest he's clearly got an interesting comedy but also in these sort of very dour dramas well do you know what he is a stand-up or he was a stand-up comedian and i felt like watching this i was like yeah you can see this is written by someone that is not mentally healthy a stand-up comedian (laughs) uh so this uh stars adam sandler don cheadle jada pinkett smith Liv Tyler, Saffron Burrows, and Donald Shut Up Sutherland. Um, <laughs> what a cast. That's very good. That's my favourite part of the movie. Yeah, got a um, laugh. Got a laugh from uh, me. Came out on the 23rd of March 2007. It was made on a budget of $20 million. And at the domestic... $20 million? Bo- $20 what? million. What? Hey. It's uh, all the music rights. Maddie, music rights, week, Yeah. Last week we covered Click. Click cost $80 million. <laughs> but that had, that had some CGI in it. This one. <laughs> not enough to cover not 80 much. mil. Not enough. Yeah, I suppose, I don't know. But you know, like, it's funny when you watch a film, like, didn't, like, like Kick-Ass only cost, like, $2 million to make. So Kick-Ass was a low budget, yeah. Yeah. And you're like, wow, I, man, like... You can do a lot with a little. Yeah. Music rights, lots of, lots of sort of big names, lots of... Oh, were they big names at the time though? Like the Killers and stuff. Apparently, they're on the. Side. Oh no, I, I mean the cast. Oh, the, oh yeah, no, it's big. And Donald Sutherland, worth every penny. Yeah. <laughs> Bj Novak, second season of The Office is going on at the same time. You know, he's yeah. uh, he's got to command at least twelve pounds million of property. <laughs> uh, well, I tell you, they spent that twenty million dollars. It only made nineteen point six million Ooh. domestic Ooh. box office and two point five million internationally. This um, opening weekend, this opened at number eight behind... Uh, oh, shit. Uh, it's got a good list of... This takes you right back to 2007. Opens oh. behind TMNT. <laughs> good. <laughs> the animated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Oh, right, yeah. In its opening with lots I of went films. So, I went and saw that at cinema. So did I. I didn't go see Rain Over Me. I was going to yeah. say, not Rain Over Me. <laughs> no. Um, also, so uh, the number two, you had 300. I mean, that's such a such a why two thousand and seven movie. That's in its third week. Um, Shooter at number three in its first week. Uh, Uh, Wild Hogs at uh, number four in its fourth week. I love Wild Hogs. (laughs) Um, Number five in its opening week, a film called The Last Mimsy. Last Mimsy, that's a kids' film. film. I'm remembering all of this because I worked at H and V. Ten years ago, and I remember all these films being on DVD. What was number two? Well, number two was three hundred. Oh right. What was number one? Number one was TMNT. Ah, that surprises me. But fair enough. TMNT, yeah, you know, it's you're always going to get the turtle heads out. Yeah. Um, three hundred was number three. So I mean, three hundred was number two in its third week. So you know, that was like right. some time that, and that was an, that was an R17, I imagine. Yeah, I, well, yeah, definitely restricted. Uh, number what is this now? <laughs> number six, Five, you've got The six. Hills Have Eyes Two in its mm. opening week. Lots of films opening this week. Uh, what week is it? When did it come out? Twenty third of March. That's not an anniversary of nine eleven. <laughs> uh, number seven, you've got Premonition in its second week. Mm. Sandra Bullock, she sees some stuff. Then you got. Uh, <laughs> Then you've got Rain Over Me, which is ahead of one film opening this week, which is a film called Pride, in which uh, Terrence Howard tries to start a swimming team. Oh. Good God. 
Okay. I, I, that's the one film that I did never never saw available available at HMV. Right. Racism. That's what that is. Yeah, probably. It might, it might be. Is it a, uh, a Tyler Perry film? Because his not films, a Tyler Perry film. Because it's interesting how Tyler Perry is just not released over here. They tried to do a push. I remember like they did like a premiere for Why Did I Get Married 2 in the UK, despite the fact that Why Did I Get Married never came out in the UK. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I, I love I love some of his films. I haven't seen enough to really comment on them, but... I've seen none. I've seen Sorry. I've seen about last night, and think like a man, and think like a man too. I don't. I don't. Are those Tyler Perry? Yeah, I think so. they're not proper Tyler Perry. They're not like uh, Medea. Not yeah, not House of Medea. <laughs> um, but I remember like I was living in Mississippi when one of his films came out, and I remember at the cinema it was like cardboard cutouts everywhere. But, well, I do. Oh, I wow. do think that. Um, just to go once again in this very serious episode to step onto a serious note I do think there is uh, racism within British distribution of films I remember how hard it was to find a cinema playing Barbershop Free mm. or Girls yeah. Trip yeah um, yeah so true. you know well it's, it's also I mean the biggest the biggest that I think we, we all everyone knows this but I'll never I'll never waste an opportunity to say it, that there's a film called Notting Hill and not a single character in that film is black. <laughs> yeah. Like, that is... It's very true. That is... What else is true? This film has a Rotten Tomato score of 64%. <laughs> wow, that's high. This is the highest we've had so far on this show. Yeah. This is the best-reviewed film so far in Truly Happily Man. You know what? Truly Happy you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to argue that this is the worst Adam Sandler film that I've seen. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, this okay. is. I, I, I'll, I'll jump right in with you. In my hot take on this film, I think this is the worst Adam Sandler performance I've ever seen. <laughs> Do you know what? It is, I feel like there's five different performances in it. At some point, he really, really gives it. But other points, you're like, I think this. It's interesting because this is a, this is a performance of a man that is mentally ill, and at some points, he's so mentally ill that like <laughs> you're. It's like so such a. It's like a depiction that you never really see, and like the rest of the film isn't in keeping with that tone. That you're like, this man definitely, definitely needs help. Well, that's that's the problem. Like everyone is tra- handling him with kid gloves throughout this whole movie. But it's just... not. I feel like the rest. Of, yeah, the, the the performance. It's like the performance is like one flew over the cuckoo's nest, but the tone it... of the film is like bridget jones like that is it doesn't really yeah. like match up <laughs> it's, it's like I, I spent a lot of this film thinking about rain man and like yeah yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not that uh mental illness and disability can well I, there is definitely i'm not going to get into that the way the film <laughs> treats it the way the film treats it is similar in yes. terms of like the bits where he doesn't want to deal with things so he just turns his music up and starts screaming rain over me yeah. <laughs> over and over again is so reminiscent of those sorts of films like just uh dustin like, hoffman going baby burn water and stuff like that yeah that kind of thing or like what i imagine i am sam is like oh yeah. god because i haven't seen it it's that sort of vibe of just like perform his performance is so chaotic in terms of just being like him being at level two where he's just like a normal guy ish who's ignoring his problems and then he just dials it fucking up to like 12 and starts screaming smashing everything up because that's what mental illness is i feel like this is this is a film that depicts mental illness 
And outside maybe like war films where like you've got like PTSD and shell shock and everything like that. Yeah. It's one it's probably I don't really remember seeing I don't think I've seen a film this that from like the from before I'd say probably 2015 or something. Like before I suppose I suppose you've got like okay you have got like goal interruption and everything. This is a depiction of functioning mental health problems. But they're not functioning. Actually, this guy is really does need help. But yeah, which this is but, just, that's the strangest part of the film for me is that he's just been living just like for so long. Well, like I know that like his landlady is protecting him. But it's, it's this is a bit, I feel like it deals with mental health problems. But it, I don't. I think that there just wasn't enough awareness at the time. Mm. And I think perhaps like maybe the writer and the people that created this film had gone through their own grief and their own experience. I don't know whether maybe they were in New York uh, at 9-11 and they had their own experiences that they were trying to sort of bring to paper. But I feel like this... I would be interested to know if any... Like, what mental health research was done when creating this. I was thinking about this and how... why, Why a writer would choose to write this story unless they live through it. And if they didn't... What was the process of coming up with Adam Sandler's character and being yeah. like, what can we do? Oh, let's have him lose his entire fucking family. I've not found anything in my research that implies that Mike Binder did live through anything like this. No, I didn't think it would. It's just like someone's gone, oh, what would be interesting? I know, someone who loses their whole family in 9-11, what would that do to someone? Probably make them listen to a lot of The Who and play Shadow of the Colossus, but keep calling it Shadows of the Colossus just over and over again. <laughs> Well, that, that Shadow of the Colossus, like, um, there's a reason he's playing that game within this film. Um, what you mean thematically? Thematically, yes. Yes, obviously. But... <laughs> um, because originally it was just. Dude, I mean, I've never played it. Tell us. Uh, it's originally they, he was just going to be uh, playing an '80s style sort of Atari game, um, and then uh, editor Jeremy Roush recalled that his own father watched the movies Aliens obsessively as a thinly-veiled kind of Vietnam veteran kind of story. Yeah. Seeing the imagery of the colossi falling, he realized someone who was dealing with 9-11 would be engrossed by a giant that keeps collapsing over and over again. So he demonstrated it to writer and director Mike Binder and actors and actresses. For the approval of the game's director, it was included in the movie. Oh, interesting. So it's they sort of got to have this imagery of 9-11 within... Well, I suppose... I think the game the game aspect is probably the most accurate aspect of mental health problems in like I know that a lot of people that struggle with mental health problems and trauma do often deal with it through getting obsessed with something that they do have yeah. some control over. No, I think that's it's it's one of the one of the better parts of the film is just watching <laughs> the whole film should just play be, a yeah. video yeah. game. I mean, right, speaking as one of them, a, a man who deals with mental health issues on the reg and is very deep into video games it is the games like shadow of the colossus where it's like you fail over and over again but you keep trying to get better and it's like one task that happens at one time like shadow of the colossus is incredible but you know it's those kinds of games like that dark souls bloodborne the ones where you just get truly engrossed there's no other people around it's about yeah about struggle about overcoming struggle and i can see that that yeah, I totally agree. That's the most realistic part of the portrayal. Yeah, and to be honest, a bit the music, like getting really yeah. 
you know, there's the James yeah. Acaster thing of him going down a rabbit hole of 2016 music, I think, after his breakup or whatever. Just getting really obsessive while dealing with depression. It happens. Yeah. I agree. Though, oddly enough, a lot of the times when I saw him, like, clutching onto those headphones, the only other thing I could think about was um, uh, the brother in There's Something About Mary. Um, when Ben Stiller tries to lift the headphones off of him and he freaks out, um, which is probably not a great <laughs> Another good depiction. Yeah. But that's, that's a guy, I think that's a guy that has autism. Yes, he's yeah. got autism. So. Yeah. I, well, I do think that this film sort of mistakes autism and uh, mental health issues. Yeah, and, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, maybe this could be, I feel, maybe, I mean, I feel like a lot of comedians both have mental health problems but there are a lot of comedians that do have autism Mm. and i suppose mike binder is part of that world and perhaps he's writing a character based on someone he knows or himself not actually knowing that these traits are autistic so there, there could be that yeah, maybe he's like, how would I deal if I lost my entire family in a 9-11 crash? I don't know. Probably like this. I do wonder if um, if there is less... As, as Maddie mentioned earlier, that you know, mental health wasn't as sort of taken note of as it is now. Yeah, this is and... like two years post-Garden State, isn't it? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> the um, ultimate tome on mental health Another issues. Headphones movie. Oh, fuck, it is. <laughs> um, Horrible. Uh but I do wonder if the film is less interested in actually dealing with mental health no, and yeah. more how we move forward after an event like 9-11. Again, this film is not about Charlie Feynman. This film is about Don Cheadle. Well, the, the Don Cheadle thing is more, I think, about... <laughs> the Don Cheadle thing is kind of like toxic masculinity. If a man has to have his own life and has to be able to separate himself from his family, like those scenes yeah. early on when um, he's talking to Liv Tyler and he's harassing Liv Tyler on the street for free for free mental free health therapy. advice. Um, yeah, but that's the thing. Charlie Feynman, his story only exists to give Don Cheadle something to do. Yeah. I feel like this film it, it just doesn't it just presents a lot of ideas and thoughts and like depictions and explorations but it doesn't actually it I suppose it creates loads of half questions and doesn't answer a single one. <laughs> yeah. That's totally true. Like it just it just yeah. put, puts a lot of stuff in the air. It's I feel I the cynic in me would be like that this has been created and maybe this isn't the writer's intention the writer might have been like i want to set out a film that does this and then other people have got involved of like this could be great awards stuff and like yeah. the cynic in me thinks maybe there aren't many films that touch on 9-11 and i feel like there's even less now than there were in the like this sort of six... came in sort of a a sort of flurry of them yeah there were a few the then time, you had united 93 and world trade center weren't too and the Fun. classic Remember Me. I mean, I watched the end of Remember Me the other day. I watched it when I, I watched that film. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. I watched it on. Is a, it? I watched it on a bus when I was working. Wow. It's 2010, and it was like peak Robert Patterson. I was working Camp America, and we were going on a bus ride to Canada, as you do, and um, and that was a film that was put on the bus, and I watched the whole film, and it was like so. It's 2010, and the film set in 2001. And I was like, why the hell is this film set in 2001? Why is it set? What a random year. It was only made like two years ago. Why is it set in 2001? 
what happened in 2000? Oh, right. So, <laughs> oh, like, no. so I just sort of, and that was supposed to be the twist. The twist of the film is to spoil the ending of. To spoil of the, the ending is that you're like you watch all the stuff happen, and then the twist is one of the characters is a 9/11, and I was oh, like, no, and I was not just, just any of the characters, Robert Pattinson. Yeah. <laughs> and it's such a in his dad's office it's such a random like and, I, and as soon as i realized because they have you know like it's 2000 and uh, like 2010 i watched it i think it came out like maybe a year yeah, before some, something like that and it was too recent 2001 was too recent to like and they've all got like crap phones and i'm like what what and then you're like oh it's 2001 it's just such a bizarre film that's um, that's my my favorite part of that sort of review is that um you've got Robert Pattinson in his dad's office, waiting for his dad to show up. Um, Paid by Pierce Brosnan. Paid by Pierce Brosnan. Oh, and nice. Cuts to his little sister at school, and the sister's being asked a question, and uh, and then it cuts to like the teacher standing in front of a blackboard, and on the blackboard it's written September 11, two thousand one. That's like the moment where, and then it just oh, cuts that? to like like that's the Kaiser Soze moment. That's yeah. the... It cuts to like Pattinson <laughs> standing, like yeah, he's standing, and they do like a big thing, window, yeah. Oh. And you see that he's standing in the World Trade Center. But it's one of those, and it's a film that I've, I when I watched, I was like. And I was looking around me in this bus that I was on, being like, what the fuck is this film? What the fuck is this? And everyone was just watching it like it's normal. And now, like, there's every now and then it will go viral on Twitter when someone says, I can't believe there was a film made where the twist mm. was that Robert Pattinson dies in 9 yeah. 11. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. Because when I watched this film, I felt like I was an insane person for being at all, like, taken aback by it. It's, it is a very strange one. But you know what? So is this. Yeah. It sounds good. This seems like, from those films that you've mentioned, this sounds like the only one that's dealing with the aftermath yes. of 9-11. Yes. Rather than not just, like, recounting that it happened yeah. or using it as a twist. The it's... only other one I can think of is, I can't remember the title, but I think it's Anthony LaPaglia and Susan Sarandon, and they have to deal with setting up funerals for 9-11 firefighters. Oh, gosh. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> It's a, it's Jesus. an interesting thing because like I feel like nine eleven there's such a collective grief over it, hmm. and like that would be something that could very interestingly be handled in um like I I would be interested in like the amount of people that probably lived in like probably quite influential people that you know that we're fans of that lived in New York when it happened and had to deal with the aftermath. And probably could do a very interesting take in that, like they didn't not didn't necessarily know anyone that that was killed in it, but had to deal with you know what life was like in New York. Yeah, in that, the yeah, and you, like the classic Steve Buscemi went and helped out. Yeah, he was a firefighter. Yeah, what happened to him? And I, well, I, I what something that I've found interesting just doing this podcast is that we have seen a sort of change. I think in comedy and films set in new york that um from because we started we started this podcast in 1999 and obviously come to before podcasts existed we started covering films from 1999 (laughs) and uh and we and you i there was definitely i mean we got to mr deeds and there was such a sort of pro new york attitude about it and um and as again in uh Anger, anger management. management, the yeah. fever pitch. Well, the anger management, the scene on Rudy the plane shows up. Feel well, when Rudy shows up, and the scene on the plane feels like a sort yeah, of yeah, yeah. 9-11 well, response. This, this um, this film though, it wasn't. 
I felt like it was New York made by New Yorkers because it wasn't. It could have been filmed. It could have essentially been set any. Like it could have been filmed in Berlin because there weren't big. It was the first time where they weren't just sweeping stock footage yeah. of of New York and like you didn't see a whole bit where they they ran through Central Park, Central Park. and like they and don't they take a the trip. Yeah, Center. like yeah. There's no. It's all very like Lower East Side, like small bars. I mean, if this fantastic apartment for um don Cheadle as well well he's a dentist isn't he and they don't they don't have a private medical they have they don't have national health that's there. true they've got that yeah. they, they got that dental payments yeah i mean plus he only does veneers yeah <laughs> one veneer at a time yeah <laughs> he is oh everybody in this film wants to sleep with don Cheadle. wouldn't you i mean sure he's a dentist it's just, it's just He's a, I, I did one of my notes is is sexy dentist a thing? Yeah, Don Cheadle makes it a thing. Um, Don Cheadle makes it a thing. I just I just found it so funny. Like like at the beginning, Saffron Burrows. Obviously, Jada Pinkett Smith has already slept with him. Liv Tyler, I <laughs> you think say that. you don't know. But can I say right? All those kids. How right? Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. Everyone else in this film has aged, apart from Don Cheadle. <laughs> Like yeah. he looks identical. Like I watched a film. What did I watch of him in recently? And he was like, in any of yeah. the Avengers movies? Yeah, Avengers, yeah, right? Aven- yeah. I was watching Avengers recently. <laughs> I was trying to think of something more highbrow than that. No, it's Avengers. <laughs> no. Uh, no, and he's a uh, he's like not aged at all. Whereas everyone else, I still film, think Jada Pinkett Smith actually is. is she still looks, looks, she looks She's she's aged, but she's got hot, like she's she's hmm. she's got better with age. Whereas. Um, Everyone else, Donald Sutherland, sadly, is in the undoing. He really is showing his his, his age. Rinsed. Adam Sandler looks about the same. I'd say I don't know. a little bit. He's got. He's, he looks good. He doesn't look like uh, Bob Dylan anymore. He he looks no true. He looks he looks good, but he do, he does look older. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's he's let himself go a little bit, don't you? Know? I actually had a dream. I had a dream. Like I was, I was like never found Adam Sandler attractive in the slightest bit. And then last year, I had a dream where <laughs> he was like hitting on me at a party, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm in love with Adam Sandler." Um, completely changed him for me. And then I googled him and found out that he's like a massive Republican. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah big time. I realised I could look past that. Um, that such is my life. Wow. <laughs> the problem is, Maddie, you'd have to be a brunette with no personality because that's the that's what he goes for in uh, the movies. So well, unless your personality is fully just like I want to give blowjobs to people. Uh, uh, just, <laughs> have you not watched Just Go with It yet? Everyone in that's blonde. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And uh, Drew, Bar- Drew Barrymore's blonde. This is true. Yeah, but true. I'm going you haven't. Off you, you're going quick. I'm going off um, uh, Jack and Jill, Mr. Deeds, <laughs> Vicky Valancourt, or whatever. Oh, Vicky, Vicky Valentine. Well, I guess I guess um, Winona sort of died blonde in Mr. Deeds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so um, let's not rule that out just yet. Let's not rule that out. It's not, true. I mean, shoot down anything, my dreams. If anything happens to Jackie Sandler, I'll let you know. Um, mm. It's. Uh, I think I prefer to actually pay his. I think I'd rather be cast. I think you've put it right because then I can just. I don't need to actually commit to someone that has pl- has different political. You could play like his wacky secretary. He likes that yes, wacky secretary. I can click. I do you know what I do respect Adam Sandler for is that uh, right? I know we're going to a different film. <laughs> Please do. But the week of I think is a good film. Everyone hated it, but I've I've not seen it. But his wife in it is Rachel Dratch, and you know what? They make a great couple, and uh, I 
think that that's an, a good casting choice. Though in Click, last week's Click, she only played his secretary. Yeah. He was always too scared to ask to go to the toilet. Yeah, but I, I love Rachel Dratch, so... <sighs> I love Rachel Dratch, so... so I, any, I, I, any, I, I, anyone that employs I, her is good in my books. I'm looking forward to getting to the week off, because I know it got sort of slaughtered in the reviews, but I watched the trailer for it again the other day, I was like, this looks like fun. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I don't know what everyone hated about it, but I think, again, maybe it's because it's made up... I feel like it might be those one of those films that reveals too much inside a stand-up comedian's psyche, and everyone else mm. will watch it and be like, oh! <laughs> and, um, yeah, apart from people that do stand-up. Um, but back to... Rain over Rain me. Over me. <laughs> Check I, notes. Uh, my notes, right. Something that I want to br- bring up. Uh, the use of a very derogatory word. Oh my yeah. god, I'm just yeah. looking at this note that I have. Um, the, the F word. Now, it's the F word is not the one. It's it's a... Uh, we can say fuck, it's not that it's one. A ho- it's it's a, ho- a very derogatory homophobic slur. It's a word that I think will come up in next week's movie, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. So. Oh, I, yeah, would, I definitely say so. I would hope it wouldn't, but... Yeah, I think it definitely I, yeah. will. But this one, I... So, Adam Sandler's character, Charlie, calls Don Cheadle's character, Alan, the F word. Mm. And and Alan's like, you can't call me that. And he's like, yeah, you can. You know what you need? You need a Mel Brooks malafin. You, you need a dose of Mel. That'll get that out of you. So, like, <laughs> the cure for, for... Like, you will no longer be offended by a, a horrific term. Or you'll no longer be the horrific term that he used. I don't know. I just I feel like is yeah, Mel Brooks no. is Mel Brooks being getting getting tarred with a bad brush there. Uh, yeah, I, I don't feel like Mel Brooks um, deserves to be marathoned in this. Movie. I don't, who um, knows? Maybe maybe getting... Mel Brooks is the biggest advocate of using really derogatory slurs. Well, I mean, the clip they use from the film is where they're yeah. using the N word. But with like a bell covering up. I but would I think say this whole Blazing thing... Saddles is a far more progressive movie than Rain Over No, me, no, no, no. I, I totally agree. <laughs> I totally agree. That's not what I'm saying. But yeah, like, again, I think this all comes back to what the film is actually about. Which is... And that is Fight Club. Because it's, it's a film about Alan Johnson, who is like, in the eyes of the film, like emasculated, yeah. is too proper doesn't talk, doesn't like isn't open about his feelings would avoid using and this is again through the film lens and looking at it from 2007 he won't use the f word even though like that's a word that people are using at that time why are they using or... it at that time I yeah guess. i mean it's in loads of comedy films around that i feel time. like no protagonist would say it. i feel like it's something that like because like super bad the vi- like the real horrible characters use it in like you know the people that are, like mm. definitely villains in um yeah, in... I think yeah, it's probably on the cusp of it because Superbad is this year as yeah. well. But that's the thing; that's generational because, like, the Superbad writers are like it's kind of like how you know Gen Z are far yeah. more aware of like gender expressions, etc., than millennials. Yeah. So obviously, some things that millennials might have found funny in shows such as I don't know the Mighty Boosh, yeah, <laughs> might be abhorrent to Gen Z now, so, which yeah. they are because they're watching it. So I think it's like Adam Sandler represents the Gen X. Seth Rogen's coming along yeah. as a millennial and being like, no, we're only going to have the bad people say the F word. Yeah. Whereas Adam Sandler's like, no, it's cool to say the F word. It just means like 
pussy. Yeah. You know, it's that kind of thing. Even and then millennials get to the point they're like, we're not even going to say pussy as an insult anymore. Although Adam Sandler's character compares the word to pickle. He's like, it's just like a pickle. And you're like, yeah, I don't fucking. And know. I'm like, uh, uh, yeah, call him a pickle then. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> like, yeah, do that. Uh, um, but it, that is an interesting point, and um, I I like it when someone says, when some when someone like every now and then a comedian will be like, oh, you you can't say whatever you want now, or like they'll say something that is like very offensive. Yeah, yeah. And they'll be like, oh, freedom of speech and stuff, and I'm like, my my like or you know there's there's an example of like a comedian might say something quite sexist and my favorite put down to that is like well you are a bit older you probably don't yeah. like you, you're not like you're from an older generation often they're often they're not that old but telling someone that they're old really does yeah, it's so it just, just really grinds yeah so if, you, if someone says oh, like, oh well that you know that's you showing your age like you're from a different generation you're older you probably don't understand why like that is an issue your mind is clearly degrading yeah. <laughs> it's weird to think that this film is only like 14 years old i feel like it feels like it it's feels, older than that but also it feels yeah. so recent like in terms of like how everything looks like mm. that is such the peak 2007 aesthetic adam sandler is dressed like how every boy in 2007 dressed and it's this like look that was like I felt like it was a, a very like gender neutral look because there were a lot of like I felt like everyone had that look at what, like in two thousand. Well, just like loads of layers, big coat, big coat, shaggy hair, a uh, satchel yeah. bag. You could have been played by Pete Doherty. You wouldn't have told the difference. I mean, it would have. I, I would have. I would I pay. Like I would pay fourteen ninety nine <laughs> for a DVD copy of this film where Pete Doherty is playing because he would play. He would smash that role. He'd fucking well, smash it. Well, while we're on that, I want to talk a little bit about who this film was written for. <gasps> it written oh my for? god, was it not Sandler? Uh, this film was initially written to star Tom Cruise as Oh, Trudeau. wow! <laughs> and Javier Bardem as Alan. What oh, interesting. Oh, I totally see it the other way around. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I you know what? Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise is an incredible actor. And like, yeah, I agree. Magnolia, Interview with a Vampire... Tropic Thunder, they've all proved that he has got... But mm. do you know what? Tom Cruise, he was originally supposed to play Edward Scissorhands, but he refused to play it unless it had a happy ending. So, Oh, really? Yeah, so that's something worth bearing in mind and why he perhaps did not star in this film. That's interesting. He, now we've got T-shirt. Well, he, 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 he turned it down, but Javier Bardem stayed attached and Javier Bardem said, we've got to get Adam Sandler involved. Really? We've got to get Sandler, because he'd seen Punch Drunk Love. Oh, he, yeah, uh, a, a, a very good film. Yeah, I love Punch Drunk Love. And he said he can bring that sort of intensity to it. Um, which he doesn't. He doesn't bring the sort of, uh, I, I, I love him in Punch Drunk Love. He brings that sort of quiet, nervous energy in this, it's the complete opposite. It's complete, just loud sort of. Um... It's quiet, quiet, loud, and I think it's the different. I don't think Adam Sandler knows how to play someone who's actively trying to suppress something rather than someone who's just nervous. Yeah, I yeah. think I, I think, think as well. Um, I think I would. I I don't know where the script ends and Adam Sandler's performance begins in terms of like, like <laughs> the fact that he's like, oh, do I know? Like he doesn't remember like all the stuff that he's forgotten and also sort of like would this guy be a bit more frayed and a bit more like messy but also you know mental health problems do make you really really annoying and he does capture the annoyingness <laughs> and i say that as someone yeah. i say that as someone with 
heaps of mental health problems. Like, mental yeah. health problems <laughs> make you a dickhead. It's true. I get that. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes. And just to just final notes on the casting. Adam Sandler was uh, hesitant about taking the role. Fucking um, good. Even though he thought the character was incredible. He then read the script a month later again, and then he decided he wanted to do it. So it took him a month to sign on. I very much think, I know we talked last week about him uh, turning down the role in Collateral. What? And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, he was supposed cruise. to play the Jamie Foxx role. Oh, yeah. Do you know what? I, I, I think, I do think, I, I really do, I think that film's good, but I... I love Collateral. I would have, I would love to see, I love hearing about castings and imagining mm. what that person would have been like in that role, and I think... That is a that is an example where I'm like I would like to see. I think Sandler would have rocked it. <laughs> yeah. in collateral. I think yeah, he would have been, been incredible. Great. Do you know what I, I think? Do you know that nervous energy would come right through in that movie? The I think the most interesting casting. Right. So originally, and it's not because she'd be good in the role, but you think about what history would be like, or not real history, but like pop history, um, popular <laughs> culture. So originally, in Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Nicole Kidman was cast in Angelina Jolie's role and then she dropped out. And you think, what would society be like what, what would have happened? if she'd kept in that would, role? Would Jen Ann and Brady still be together? Probably not. But Probably not. We'd get Bran Nicole. I, yeah. I, can't, I, don't think I'd ma- I don't think I would match them. They might not have. No. No. I, don't, no. I can't actually see like them being in that movie no. together. No. I can't see Nicole Kidman as a as a uh, assassin. Angelina Jolie was perfect. Yeah, she... perfect for that piece of shit film that I love. Yeah, <laughs> possibly love. I don't know. I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah, um, yeah. It's this. I, I in the at the end of the day, yeah. There's not. I think a lot to say. Uh, well, well, I'll bring out this. I've already said I don't think. I, I think this is Adam Sandler's worst performance that I've seen. I also think Liv Tyler is really bad in this movie. Why does yes, she talk like weird. this? <laughs> she's she's singing. Like her voice. She's singing. No, she's not. No, because in Lord of the Rings, she's like, if you want them, come and get them. <laughs> that's not her voice, no, but like, that's how she's speaking. If you want them. This is just her normal she is singing. voice. Come and claim them. She is singing in a really high voice, and I don't think she talked like this in any other film. You know, she's a therapist. That's how they speak. It's a creative decision. It's a creative decision. Da, 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 da. It's a, creative it's decision. a really yeah. strange and... decision. Uh, she makes her kind of unbearable. Liv Tyler has not done enough. Like, none of, no, none of the Lord true. of the Rings cast, I don't think, have done enough. For, like, people that have, like, really... I mean, she's, like... Being in, like, the biggest films of all time for, like, a certain period, and then they've never really... None. Well, it's sort of like the the Star Wars thing of like after Star Wars, Harrison Ford sort of broke out. Um, Mark Hamill has had a career, but obviously mostly in voice work. Carrie Fisher had a, a career, but never as sort of like as prominent as playing Princess Leia. No, but and... I guess the difference is like Liv Tyler was a thing before Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. so was Elijah Wood yeah. to an extent, but you know some of the others. Would nothing? Yeah, the... I mean Elijah Wood has worked. Sean, Sean Aston, Sean Aston was big. Sean Aston was a thing. Marion Pitt. Sean Aston. Was, Sean Aston has popped up in two Happy Madison films so far. Yeah, oh, I, I do. <laughs> he's, he's one of those people that's so enjoyable to watch, isn't he, Sean Aston? Yes, he's, he he's could, always I, been you know Josh's what? MVP every time he's been in one of these movies. I feel like he could be in. He should be in one of these movies. Uh, one of... Not in one of these movies. He should be in this movie. 
This movie. This movie, yeah. Mm. If he, he should be Charlie. Oh, that could be good. He could be Charlie or, or Alan. Or Don Cheadle. Could, or both. Do you know what? Don Cheadle in Shit. Charlie's role would have been interesting. Yeah, I think he's got, that'd be good. I, the, the reason I think they don't do that is because to put a black man in oh, that role. Yeah, I suppose it's a white saviour. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you can't have that scene at the end where... Adam Sandler pulls a gun oh, on yeah, law yeah, enforcement yeah, yeah. and doesn't get shot. Yeah, that is a that's a that's a scene. That suicide by cop scene is that's rough. It is fucking rough. <laughs> that is yeah. That is definitely written by a white man. That is or, or white yeah, woman. Just like, like, I'm, I'm just uh, looking. Sorry, at, um, Liv Tyler's career. And uh, I had forgotten that I also find her unbearable in uh, the Incredible Hulk movie that she's in. Oh, I didn't um, even know that. I mean, I've I've never seen it, so it's not. She's not great, but even though she t- she turns, I I love her in Empire Records and that thing you yeah, do. Yeah, she's great. Um, and even Armageddon. Armageddon. Armageddon is Armageddon. is the heart of Armageddon. Armageddon is a terrible, yeah. terrible. It's sub sub superior to Deep Impact. I love Deep Impact. <laughs> That's fair. Deep Impact is up Guys. here. I ain't seen them pretty Deep Impact. Oh yeah, Deep Impact is the is the pinnacle of those films. Yeah. It's so good. It really is. Jack, watch it. I've seen Armageddon once uh, and I remember enjoying it until they went into space. Yeah. <laughs> you to watch Deep Impact, changed my life. Yeah, oh, it's incredible. <laughs> Never look back. God. Never the look baby back. on the bike. Fuck. And it's so good. It's so good. And they also there's also a bit where there's they're like people are trying to escape from the impending doom in Deep Impact and someone's like someone's packed all their life belongings onto a car and their life belongings is a inflatable paddling pool. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. And it's like, why have uh, they packed a paddling pool? <laughs> you know, it's going to get hot. And they've inflated it. They've inflated it already. But it's something that I think about so much. I'm like, why? <laughs> what, whose decision? What they were like, they're probably like the set designers were like, oh shit, we need to pack out these cars. We need to make this car pop. And that person, what, what and that person looked like, Perhaps too good a driver that they got ended up in a, a good shot when realistically they should be all the way back. <laughs> yeah, true. I, I think it's very telling that this is probably one of the most distracted films yeah. we've ever talked about. We just jump off from there's there's just not it, it's it's so Oscar baity. They're released at the wrong time of year to be an Oscar film. Yeah, it's also, they probably um, saw it and then they're like, yeah, we're not going to try and get any awards with this. Also. Can we raise up the fact that Adam Sandler's character is the first, probably the first person in the world to travel around by the most annoying mode of transport, the <laughs> motor scooter. Yeah. I was trying to figure out if that was supposed to be sort of like the quirky part of this film, like the van in um, Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like, um, like people would be like, oh, that's the scooter film. <laughs> and it's probably, maybe, I don't know how common these motorized scooters were at the time. I mean, they're very common now, and every time I see someone on one, I want to throw them in the sea. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's a here's a little bit of a, a fact for you. <gasps> a um, fact. The scooter is just powerful enough to make it technically illegal in New York City. Wow. Uh, they, they they permit electric scooter, scooters, but have banned engine powered ones like Charlie's. Good. And then, <laughs> like this on this IMDb trivia, they've just written, "He's a bit of an outlaw." Ah, ah. So that's what we're getting from that, that he just doesn't give a shit. He doesn't give a shit. He's the kind of guy who'll pull a gun on a New York cop. Whereas now... Just for banter. Now we watch it and we're like, oh, he's got an early 
version of one of those things that really pissed me off. <laughs> exactly. At least he drives and actually, I don't know if it is a good thing that he drives in the road. Like, this is my feeling. When I'm cycling, I'm like, get these motor scooters or electric scooters out of my way because they're silent and no one ever wears a helmet with them and they don't have any lights or anything and they just sneak up behind you and you're like, great, now I'm shocked. <laughs> but, but when I'm walking down the street, and mo- an electric scooter starts coming towards me. I'm like, well, get the hell on the road. Get away yeah. from me. Yeah, like, we, yeah, yeah. I feel like we should just ban them until we as a society can decide where they go. And maybe... There should be a third... A tunnel. Pavement. Maybe they should have a tunnel. Yes, a tunnel. Yeah. Or like a raised platform. Anything. Yeah. I like the idea that maybe we just commit them to tunnel, turn them into sewer dwellers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. Or they can drive down the opposite side of the road. Yeah. Or or, or the yellow lines, like into the gutter. They can can go in the gutter. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. I feel like this film has a comment on that because, like, the first thing that happens when Don Cheadle gets onto the back of the scooter is that the car nearly comes out and hits them. Well, yeah. Yeah. Because they're silent and they're not well lit. It's also, it can't be safe to be driving around with those big headphones on as well. No, I think this this film, what this, this film says is. Stop this strange mode of transport be- before it's too late. That is the real message of this film. That's the real, and yeah. Because not enough people saw it, no. that message didn't get out there. <laughs> it didn't land. No. Um, again, it's because he doesn't care about his safety. And do you know why? It's because Don Cheadle does care about his safety and he's trying to teach him to loosen up with the background of a tragedy. <laughs> and that's what this film is. Uh, I was gonna, do you know what I think would be a more interesting movie? go on just follow saffron burrows's character yeah like she seems to be going through her own sort of issues she's seeing Liv tyler for for a reason as well who apparently is a very bad therapist because she tells her to act <laughs> out on a awful yeah oh she said she lied about that in the end oh but also yeah, yeah on the on the therapizing the fact that Liv Tyler's just like, no, you don't have to talk about it. You don't have to talk about it for like five sessions. And then suddenly it's like, now, come on. Yeah. You've really She's got like, to talk about it now. I've, I'm bored. I've charged you a thousand pounds a session. I guess I do have to actually treat your mental health problem. There's also just the moment in which uh, like don't that waiting rooms, the meeting they have. My mom's a therapist. Oh. Yeah. Never would she allow... To, like I think just two patients who know each other to bump into each other in the waiting room. I have a feeling. Like, I have a feeling this film is not written by anyone that consulted. No research was done. I think the writer himself. I wouldn't be surprised if he had his own experiences with mental health, but that's not enough. You know, you do need to. No. You do need to consult the experts. Which which characters bump into each other? Saffron Burrows and Don Cheadle uh, and Adam Sandler. And Saffron Burrows does the weird. There's the weirdest moment in which she gets to the waiting room, which is not manned by anybody. Sits no. down and then immediately stands up, which is not an action yeah, you know, that anybody well, I do that does all the time. No, nobody does that. Yeah, Josh. every day um, when I get into and then work. they like indicate to Liv Tyler that they know each other, and then at one point. Don Cheadle grabs Liv Tyler's arm and Saffron Burrows grabs the other arm of Liv Tyler and they sort of pull at her to... <laughs> it's a, like a sort it's of a tug of film, war. Jack. It's a good film, <laughs> Just actions that people wouldn't do in real life. I think another big lesson from this film is 
I don't think any film should be 90 minutes or it should be longer than 90 minutes unless they have to be over 90 minutes. And I feel there's a lot of... This film could have trimmed 30 minutes down because it's over an hour. It's it's like two hours long and it could definitely trim 30 minutes off. Like there's so many plot lines that didn't need to happen. Been saying this all year. Host, which came out last year, fifty four minutes long. Normalize your fifty four minute long movies. Yeah. yeah, they are perfect. It is a perfect <laughs> film. Yeah, and also it has so much plot in it that it forgets about it. Like at the beginning, you've got Don Cheadle living in his house, and he's got his mum and his dad living there, and then they're forgotten about for about an yeah, hour and until a half they until die. suddenly he dies. <laughs> And you're just like, I forgot he even and had also, a like, dad. There's, there's like, doesn't he have like a couple of kids and then suddenly I never see one of them ever again? <laughs> no, but it's that's because they're too busy making jigsaws. That weird scene at the dad's wake, I guess, where um, Adam Sandler's accountant shows up um, saying, yeah. Yeah. You can't, I'm not going to let you take a million dollars from this man. And then Don Tiedle just tells him to like stay at the wake. I mean... <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess, you know, that's about, like, you know, they've got a friend in common who's going through a hard time. And Don Cheadle doesn't want to deal with his problems. He wants to deal with Charlie's problems. He wants to deal with the problems of 9-11 before he can deal with himself. That's the, you can't deal with any problems until you've dealt with 9-11. <laughs> that's what we've learned from these films, Jack. Oh, it's such a... It's so <laughs> all over the place, this film. It's a real shocker. Yeah. I mean, well, it has a lot. I feel like the guy that wrote it and made it, and and all the talent involved, could probably make another film now with the exact same budget, and it would be brilliant. But I think sequel. Yeah, maybe <laughs> Rain Under Me. You know. That's what, yeah. There we go. Um, Don. Oh my God! Like, yeah. Suddenly, Alan's gone through hard times through the pandemic, and Charlie Whoa. comes to help him. But Charlie's still struggling. I bet Charlie's got like a wife and loads of kids and is having the whale of a time. And like, Alan's like, you, no, Alan's like, you need to remember them. Like, he's like, oh, this, this guy's too happy. He needs to remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I think the tagline for the second one is uh, Alan's gone through some changes, but Charlie's still the same. Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> Alan's daughter, she's probably like, She'd be at college, wouldn't she now? Might be having her own kids. Yeah. She's, a full, she's probably a full-grown adult. So she'd she's... be going back home because there's no so she's, jobs. She, what, she's like 13 in 2007. So she... Oh, she'd be old. Yeah, she'd be... She'd be like 30, <laughs> God. 24? No. That's 14 years old, this film, isn't it? Yeah, so she's first, she'd She's like she's going to be... 27, like... 27. 27. God, That's my maths is bad. <laughs> 27. 27, yeah. Yeah. Who do you get to play as daughter in the sequel? Do you get the same you actress? You do, I think. I think that's yeah, only right. Time. That's only right. <laughs> she knows the role. So, just at the, at the end of this one, is it implied, if it's not implied that Adam Sandler and Saffron Burroughs are dead, is it implied that they're going to get together? Yeah, they're going to fuck. That's, that's obvious. That doesn't seem like a good... Because, you know, this film is all like the only way to get over your entire dead family is to bang the blowjob woman. Because that's the only time he and he like well, they've, they've he pays attention both, yeah. to anyone outside of Don Cheadle. Is he's just like that woman is hot. I, you should fuck her. Talks a lot about breasts in this. Yeah, movie. everyone's really obsessed with how hot she is, and I think she's beautiful. But you're almost like, 
Like there are. She's, yeah, she's beautiful, the, but there's she's also she's not even the hottest film, person in the film. Like there's a film with Liv Tyler yeah. and Jada Pinkett Smith as yeah. well, <laughs> and Donald Sutherland. Yeah. Oh. yeah they should... The Wolfman himself. Yeah. Fuck. And Jonathan Banks. And B J Novak. And Ray Allen. B B J Novak. Blowjob. Oh my Fuck, god. All it all ties makes together. Holy shit. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> It was a fact. You know what? I'm going to come out and shock you. I didn't hate it <laughs> as much as you did. I didn't hate it. I just, it, I don't think it, it didn't make me think or feel anything I've ever, like, I like watching a film that does challenge me a bit more than that, you know, because yeah. I'm a deep person mm. and I need yeah. more. I need more. I think a week after watching Click, where I was sort of taken aback with how I thought, how sensitive I thought Adam Sandler could be. And I and I think he gives a good performance in the last act of that movie when he's not trying to be funny. Coming into this and thinking like, oh, I'm interested to see him, like what his performance is going to be like in this, and just seeing it being all over the place, I just I couldn't connect to this movie I, in the slightest. I just there was never a moment where I was I, I was so bored watching it. I just I didn't like the characters. I didn't like the themes. Maybe it's also just not a good film to watch in like lockdown three. Yeah, that's no, what I think. Really yeah, isn't. that is another thing. That if I, if I'd watched it, like when my life was in a better place, when there wasn't death and like depression <laughs> everywhere, constant existential crises. It, yeah, I would have probably thought this film would. Yeah, I don't know. Look, I remember when it came out, a lot of people were like, "Oh yeah, you got to see this film. It's really good." And those people. And yet nobody went. Well. Maybe they, they they got it for three pounds at H and B, or three pound forty nine on Amazon now. So to rent. Uh, yeah, I uh, I think any other time had this come out, I would have felt a bit differently about it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's probably yeah, it's not your it's not the film to perk you up during lockdown. But Josh, you loved it, so I did love it. Five out of five, best film of the year. <laughs> no, I thought it was all right. You know, I. I laughed. I cried at a point. I cried. Was again, it when he explains what when he finally opens up about his family? Yeah, but again, I don't think it's actually what he's saying. I think what I'm connecting with there is the very real visceral memory of when I was first going through mental health issues and hadn't talked to anyone about it. And then that first time you talk about it, that's what I was connecting with, I feel. I don't know if that's connecting with anyone else. But that's what got me at that moment. Not like, obviously, because what he's saying is just like, I had a family and then they died. But I thought he did an all right job there because it's sort of... The stuff that I really hated from his performance throughout the film is all the screamy, shouty, Rain Man shit that he doesn't know what he's doing. But that bit, I think he does quite a good job of sort of telling a story while not wanting to tell a story, not making eye contact... You know, that think, bit felt decent for the rest for me, of it was that garbage. It just came a little bit too late within the film. Yeah, I would also agree. That's where you cut it out. It's an hour before he gets into therapy. An hour, which is insane. <laughs> like, that's a lot too of long. just him and uh, Cheadle just hanging out. And yeah, it's, it's a bit frustrating. And then dad dying. Dad dies right after the Mel Brooks marathon. I know. What, what, what come down? Yeah, what a waste. What way to go? Should have taken him there. If he died there, it would have been a better, better way to go. He'd have died happy. But yeah, I don't know. Didn't hate it. Didn't love it. Didn't hate it. Fine. 
Do you know? Um, do you know who uh, who weren't crazy about who wasn't crazy about this movie? Uh, Osama bin Laden. <laughs> he was a big fan. Was he? <laughs> um, really? oh. Award bodies. <laughs> oh yeah. Award, award bodies. bodies? Yeah, because I have the awards for this film. <gasps> what did um, the Teen Choice Awards think? Believe it or not, Josh, this was nominated for a Teen no, Choice Award. What? what for? This film was nominated for Choice Movie Actor Drama. Yeah. For who? Um, Saffron Burroughs. For Adam Sandler. Yeah, Fucking I see. Hell, I mean, right? yeah, uh, this is a big. This is probably a film that I think teens would relate, like, would actually connect. You know, like, I don't say that as a joke. I mean, you know, when you're a teenager and everyone likes films like The Garden State because. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because they're deep. Yeah. And. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna give you the other actors who were nominated, and I want to see if you can guess what films they were nominated for. Oh yeah, go on. So this is around the 2006-2007 period for this uh, award. So you've got the winner is Will Smith. Pursuit of Happiness. Mo- yes, it was for Pursuit of Happiness. Yes. Um, then you've also got nominated Ashton Kutcher. The Butterfly Effect. No, oh no! This is this is a very. I, I don't think this film exists. <laughs> um, uh, it partners him up with a sort of older actor. Um, it's Harold a sort of, and Maud too. It's a sort of older. Uh, it's it's, it's a, oh, is it? Oh, what's it called? Like Hollywood Heist or Hollywood Homicide? No, that's uh, Josh Hartnett. Fuck. And Harrison this, Ford. This is annoying. I'm thinking this is. Is set at sea. Oh, the yeah, fuck boats. Boat <laughs> this storm. movie doesn't exist. <laughs> Boat storm. It's called the Guardian. The Guardian. That was it with Kevin Ashton Costner Kutcher and Kevin Costner. That film does exist. Um, I've seen a trailer. Channing Tatum. Early Channing Tatum. Coach Carter. No, this later. I don't think he's in that. He is in that. Is yeah. He? Yeah. Okay. I fucking love Coach Carter. You know this. <laughs> this would have been before Magic Mike, surely. Before Magic Mike. It would have been Dance, Step Up. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. you got it. Step, Step up. up One. Step Up One. Um, nice. And then uh, two nominations for our boy Leo. Oh, so that would be Catch Me If You Can. No, that's too, no, too, that's too, too early. early. Departed? Yeah. And one more. Oh, what's the other film that's like... Oh, Shutter Island. No. 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 Think of him doing a bad accent. Oh, oh no, no, no. No, uh, Blood Diamond. It's yeah. actually... Do you know what? That, it's not a bad accent. Apparently, it's such a specific, specific, like, one... Like, it's so accurate for the one town of which this character's from that everyone's like... <laughs> that is great. And, like, and, 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 like he, he perfected it and everyone's like, there's a really bad South African accent. But the town that his character's from are like, oh my god, he's mastered it. So that is... He just, he just went <laughs> that to... That movie was made for a very specific audience. He went... He, <laughs> for that one yeah, town. He went, he went too extreme for it. He went too extreme. Should have just been a bit more broader. Oh, that's it. That's, so yeah, it's, it's one of those few categories where you get Adam Sandler up against Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, any other awards? Um, uh, we've got... It was up for two more awards. It was nominated at the Tokyo uh, Film Fe- International Film Festival for the Grand Prix Award. Nice. Um, Very nice. Uh, I'm assuming, because 
it was a big film playing at the Tokyo International Film Festival. Loses to The Band's Visit, which I believe won uh, Best International Film at the Oscars that year. No, it didn't. Just making that <laughs> up. Just making that Just up. lies. It did, uh, but it did win. Uh, it, well, it didn't win, but it was turned into a Broadway musical. So, um, yeah. uh, And it was also nominated for... What is this? What is this nomination? It was nominated at the International Film Music Critics Award for Best Original Score for a Comedy Film. That um, fucking score. Do you remember it? No. Also, it's for a comedy film. Well, no. It, I think at certain points it fucking is a comedy film because it's got the sort of like the the musical score from the OC going in the background. The sort of like like the bits where they're talking in the school or whatever. Yeah, in the OC, it's got that kind of vibe to it. I know you watched the Houston OC podcast. So, <laughs> I did, so I'll defer to you on this. Oh, I was man. more of a Dawson's Creek guy. They weren't um, concurrent. Uh, they, they lost, unfortunately, to Enchanted. Um, for the I mean, Enchanted slap. So yeah, I love Enchanted. So um, <laughs> the other nominees were Evan Almighty, Hot Fuzz, and oh, uh, ev- everyone's favorite. Uh, Tutte le donne della mia vita. Um, yeah. With What's a score that? by Ennio Morricone. Ooh! So, <laughs> so okay. Sure. Might be worth digging out. Probably. There is no plot for it on IMDb. Brilliant. Um, and that's that's all the awards it was nominated for. Well, I feel like the only place to, for, to nominate Adam Sandler was the Teen Choice Awards. They bloody love him. Not even the MTV Movie Awards this time. Do you know what, though? That you, you automatically get nominated for a Teen Choice Award if you agree to turn up. Oh, no, no, no. Really? No, you automatically win one if you agree to show up. Oh, oh shit. Will Smith yeah. was free that day. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Oh, should we get into MV and LVs? Yeah. I think I think that's that's for the best. Yeah. <laughs> I would agree. Maddie, as our guest, do you have MVP and LVP? I feel like the MVP in this film is probably I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the receptionist for Don Cheadle. Mm. She is good. Paula Newsom as Melanie. Melanie, she you got a sense of a character there despite very little being written. Also Medical receptionists generally are that like that chaotic and that rude. <laughs> True. That I think she she nailed that performance. I would say my. I, I like her in that. I would say, do are we all going to do our MVP or should I go on to my LVP? You go to your LVP. My LVP is a motorized scooter. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's very fair. Very 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 fair. I hope they die soon. I did think about getting one once, and then my girlfriend at the time was like, I'll dump you if you get one. <laughs> and then she dumped me anyway. I was going to so... say, but then you didn't get one and you got dumped. They're, Pointless. Yeah. They're kind of like, uh, we don't, they're definitely not cool. That's the problem, isn't it? Like, they're not cool <laughs> enough for everyone to enjoy them. True. Is this the thing though? I can't, I can't ride a bike. Oh, you need to learn. It's so fun. It's like, just imagine what it must feel like when Woody is on the on the little car in Toy Story and starts flying. That is what it feels like to ride a bike, Jack. True. Just imagine what it's like to ride a horse that you don't have to feed yeah. and won't kick you in the head. Yeah. I signed up to uh, my local council's uh, bike classes. 
Oh. And um, that was uh, nearly a year ago now, but it was the it was the week that lockdown kicked oh, in. No. And so then I got a text from my uh, tutor being like, we have to cancel all classes. I'll and... teach you, buddy. No, I want a professional. I am a professional. <laughs> sort of. Um, yeah, I, I, I've often been like, oh, if only during lockdown I had, I had my bike. Yeah, but, I love it. But no. Has been great. Souls. <laughs> I walk. I walk. You know, it's fun. Um, otherwise, uh, Josh, do you have uh, MVPs and LVPs? Shut up. What's that? Shut up. Excuse I me? want you to shut up. <laughs> That's my MVP. This is not it's going well that, for you. Yeah, it's just that line <laughs> delivery from Donald Sutherland as the judge who. The whole time, because I saw that Donald Sutherland was in it, I was just like, when is he going to fucking show up? It doesn't happen for an hour and 40 minutes or something. And then he just comes in, tells someone, tells BJ Novak to shut up, says, I don't think it's my job to judge people, and then leaves. As a judge. As a judge. It's incredible. So, yeah, I'm really into it. Really into him. I always think about this. How fantastic was Donald Sutherland in the Hunger Games movie? Incredible. He's incredible everything. Oh my god. He's, there's never been a performance that he has not smashed. True. He's so good. And he's he's also he has also given birth not given birth, but he has produced <laughs> some very talented offspring as well. Angus Sutherland. <laughs> the pirate man. Oh. Uh, oh, he's great. That's a that's a he's a good MVP. He does yeah. work it in this movie. He's incredible. He's the highlight. Um, ooh, didn't think about LVP. <laughs> I'm going to go with 9-11. That's fair. Because obviously it would have been, in general, it would have been... <laughs> <laughs> obviously what, a pol- what a political statement. <laughs> I think, you know, in the past I've been accused of ignoring the big issues when it comes to LVP, and I think anyone who hasn't chosen 9-11 for their LVP for this film is endorsing it. Because if 9-11 hadn't have happened, obviously, so many more people would be alive. We wouldn't have invaded Iraq, possibly, or Afghanistan, possibly. Syria... Charlie's wife and daughters. Well, Syria wouldn't be on fire. ISIS wouldn't have happened. There's just so many things. The Um, movie United 93 would never have come out. I really fucking hate that film. Oh, wow. I really hate it. It's so manipulative. Anyway, uh, yeah, and then also you wouldn't have this film. So end 9-11, end Reign Over Me. Let's go back in time. Let's Avengers Endgame it. We can make a difference. It's interesting that when the Avengers had their time travel powers, they didn't decide to do anything about it. They didn't at all. Did it even happen in Avengers? I don't know. We'll never know, will we? I think it did. No, it did, because Tony Stark was in Iraq or Afghanistan or somewhere. I take it back. Um, but then if 9-11 hadn't have happened, would we have Iron Man? And then would we have stopped Thanos? Big questions. For now, no. For another so day, also no. You're, you're editing this episode and have to question whether to leave stuff like this in. <laughs> it's all so good, baby. Um, Jack, your MVP. Uh, my MVP is Saffron Burrows. Very good. Um, just because when she showed up as the flirty dental patient, um, I was just like, oh, I don't, I don't like this at all. 
Yeah. <laughs> sort of very... And then as the movie went on and she became a character, I was like, oh, I do like this. She's the most interesting one here. Yeah, true. Um, so, she, you know, she was able to win me over. I, yeah, good for her. And I don't think I know her from anything else. Um, she was in something else I watched really recently. And I think it's the second... The I've only seen her in two films. And I think it was this and whatever the fuck the other one was. The last Mimsy. But I know she was like really good friends with like Tony Benn. Really? Yeah, I feel like I've read loads of articles or loads of interviews with Tony Benn or listened to him talking and he always talks about how much he loves Saffron Burrows. I've never heard of her until this film. She, I think she's primarily a model. Uh, she was in a relationship with Fiona Shaw. I knew about that. That was about what I knew. Troy! She's in Troy. Okay. <laughs> that was it. I've never seen Troy. Don't. <laughs> um, my LVP is um, this time period for comedians going serious. <laughs> okay. Because in 2007, you also had the number 23 with Jim Carrey. Yeah. Vince Vaughn in Into the Wild. Luke oh, Wilson shit. in Vacancy. Um, yeah. Still a bit of a comedy, but I'm not crazy about Owen Wilson's performance in The Darjeeling Limited. And uh, mm. Lindsay Lohan in I Know Who Killed Me. <laughs> so everyone's sort of things stepping is not up. like the others. <laughs> I mean, it's Lindsay Lohan was known for doing comedy. Yeah, true. And then her big dramatic performance was in I Know Who Killed Me. Yeah, I suppose that's is, true. <laughs> is, I mean, it's two performances. Is that um, a spoiler? Yeah, sure. Oh, what? <laughs> now I can never watch it. That, and also watch the number 23 just because it's a film that has a character called Topsy Kretz. <gasps> uh, Topsy which Kretz. Is, which is then played to be a reveal when they realise that it means Top Secrets. Someone's like, Topsy Kretz. Top Secrets. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> There's also a character called Fingerling. Which uh, is a character in a book that is narrated by Jim Carrey. It's just him going, "Hello, my name is Fingerling." Oh, I don't like that um, at all. It's fucking awful. But yeah, watch the number twenty-three. Yeah, that's that's it for me. I think just this sort of period where act. I mean, like comedic actors are, are great uh, doing serious roles. As many times that they've done wonderful, but just it seems this period is a real sort of lax period for them. Like. I don't know. It's a post nine eleven world, Jack. It's it's a post no, one, no one was ready to be funny again. Mm. Um, Not until funny people. No, nope, coming soon. Uh, and but yeah, I think that's that's all we have for on, on rain over me, rain over me. Um, uh, well, it was a film. I'll never watch it film. again. Would you? I, uh, I I believe I'm going to try and sell the DVD this weekend. Get, what, it, on music, get it on Music Magpie. Shit, good choice. <laughs> uh, Maddie, thank you so much for joining us to discuss <laughs> this classic. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Can we get a... What plugs do you have for us? What, what do you want to get out there? Um, so uh, you can follow me on social media. I'm at Diary of a Maddie, spelled M-A-D-D-I-E. Um... I, I'm not really posting on social media much at the moment, actually. So follow me there. And when the pandemic's over a bit more and I don't feel so bleakly hating the world every time I log into something, I'll, be a bit, I'll post a bit more. Um, but for now, <laughs> but for now, I'm quite silent on them. I have got my own podcast, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, Jacqueline Wilson Fan Club. 
Uh, it's on all major podcasting platforms. Uh, and uh, what else can I plug? Just just enjoy yourselves. Oh, that's <laughs> enjoy nice. Yourselves. What a lovely what a lovely way to to wrap up uh, this very serious episode of Truly Happily Madison. Yeah. Um, as for me, you can find me on uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Letterboxd at JFG in Digital 3D, where I share things. <laughs> I don't have anything fun to plug. Josh, how about you? Well, people can find me on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Letterboxd, all of those at P-A-P-S-B-Y, that's at Papsby. It rhymes with Shutter Island at P-A-P-S-B-Y. Is that because it's another Leo DiCaprio movie? Yes. Okay. Uh, I can also explore Tobey Maguire's filmography as well. Yeah, when I run out of Leo's, I think I might have already done Shutter Island. I don't think you have. Okay, cool. Also rhymes with Gatsby. Hit me up. No, and also, if you want, you can find the podcast at True Hat Mad on Instagram and Twitter. Send us an email at truehatmad at gmail.com. And of course, unless wherever... you're a creepy person from Silent Hill. Yeah, I don't want any more of those, you fucks. And also, if you've enjoyed this episode, which I'm sure you will have, or the podcast in general, please leave us a review and a rating wherever you listen to us. That has that functionality. Yeah, get us up to that 64% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> we deserve it. Um, yeah, so as always, a very serious ah uh, horseshit to you. <laughs> Bye.